such a refreshing sound, Adam. It's the deep dive music. It is. It is. Would you prefer something different? No. Okay. Well, well welcome, everyone. My name is Abel Baker. I'm with my co-host and friend, Adam Rinshaw. Welcome to another episode of The One in Five podcast, vodcast, pretty much the utility knife mm. of healthcare podcasts. I thought you were going to say the utility player, like, because baseball's starting and... Nice, and, it is starting. Yeah, <laughs> uh, players report here tomorrow or... Yeah, if, tomorrow. If you can figure out how to make a segue from that to our guest. Watch this. And that brings us to our next point. We have Cody Magpie that's here today. A, that, that was that's, cheap. That's not a segue. That was a cheap segue. Cody Magpie, former minor league ball player. Oh, oh. nice. <laughs> if it wasn't a lie, that would be great. No. <laughs> I was a slugger back then. Yeah, back in the day. <laughs> so we do have Cody Magpie here, though, and he is an ACLC um, training to be a licensed addictions counselor, correct? Yep. And um, you do behavioral health care management. Mm -hmm. So it's really exciting to have you on the show today. Whoa, 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 whoa wait a second. We what had happened? we had nicknames that you had brought up, and I really oh, want our listeners yeah. to hear those nicknames. <laughs> we had Cody, the man, Magpie. Okay, <laughs> okay. We we believe that nicknames add something. They add a new dimension to a podcast. So um, Adam is really big on these nicknames right now. I think confetti. And children's artwork is apparently Adam thinks the nickname. So today we're going to try the nicknames. Okay. Uh, so okay. We, got, we got Cody. The man. Okay. And what was yours? Adam Buzzsaw Rinshaw. Is that right? And I, no? I, no, I think that was it, but it was, yeah. Did I not say, was I supposed to say Buzzsaw? <laughs> that would be better. Adam, the Buzzsaw Rinshaw. And watch this, yeah. watch this. Abel. The muffin maker baker. Okay, so I'm cool with that, except it's I, th I feel like it's redundant because I don't know that you need maker in there. But it rhymes with baker, so it, <laughs> it actually just gives it that sweeter roll okay, off okay. the tongue. The muffin maker baker. I'm good with that. I'm yeah. good with that. And It and could it, be the muffin taker baker. Oh, man. Able oh, the, like the hamburglar? Exactly. Able yeah. the muffin taker. <laughs> Baker. I like that, folks. So <laughs> let us know what you think. You know, if we've caused you any pain right now, that leads us to a wonderful that subject. actually is a segue. <laughs> we, we just happen to have our buddy Cody Magpie with us today to talk about pain management and how he's involved in uh, just providing help and service to the communities. Um, several different communities. Hopefully we can talk about that, but, um, welcome man. And I, it, it, you know, I'm going to, Adam's got some awesome questions to start us out with. I know I have a few of my own, but, uh, I'll get to those a little later. Adam, will you? Well, well, Cody, why don't you just start by telling us a little bit about yourself and how you got involved in this line of work? Yeah. Um, so as, uh, able to say it, I'm a addiction counselor and training. Uh, the acronym for the state for that is ACLC, and I'm a behavioral health care manager. 
when I first started, um, you know, I wanted to become a nurse and then that transitioned into becoming a veterinarian and then a doctor. And then I just kind of went through one of those, you know, phases where you don't really know what to do. And so then d- I, did this all happen like in six months or was this over a year, pro- year's uh, process? Or? Uh, probably about six months. Okay. Uh, then that's when I met Earl Sutherland. You know, he kind of really opened my eyes to what, you know, behavioral health is and what um, I can do to, you know, become an addiction counselor and be a part of BVHC. So, Wow. Dr. Earl, uh, both Abel and I know yeah. Dr. Sutherland, and uh, he's a fantastic fellow. Mm-hmm. So he kind of coached you and got you involved in, in this line of work. Um, and into sort of what it is that you're doing now, right? Mm-hmm. So you're providing wellness groups for chronic pain management. Mm-hmm. And that's actually what I wanted to, was hoping to talk about this week. But before we get into sort of the meat of these, these courses or these sessions that you offer, can you give us sort of a bit of an overview of how these wellness groups came well, came to be. Before we get into that, let me say anybody that's watching and you're wondering um, how today's show might might help you. Um, I, I want to say what what you're about to hear from Cody um, in this discussion is so important for anyone in your life who has is just having a hard time regulating pain. So so stay with us, and you're going to have some resources at the end to be able to connect. But this is legitimate, um, solid work that uh, our friend Cody here is doing. We really believe in it. And um, I think you're going to be able to have some some help, uh, some very practical help for either a friend, a, a loved one, family member, even yourself. So um, hang with us to the end and you'll have some more information on on how to get in touch with Cody or how to get involved with this. Anyways, mm-hmm. Go ahead, Adam. Yeah, uh, agreed. Thanks for bringing that up, Abel. Uh, I, I too believe that there's going to be quite a bit of value yeah. as we dig into uh, some of what goes on in these sessions. But Cody, just give us a, just talk to us a little bit about how these, uh, this, this wellness group, these wellness groups started. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were started by a med student named Shauna Price. Um, she actually found the program from University of Montana, which is where I'm going to school right now for social work. Um, so the, in the beginning, when she did it, you know, she kind of was doing the same way that I'm doing with groups, so pulling in guests. But, you know, she also really worked with the behavioral health team and other staff members to come and join us for, you know, to meet with patients to have a better understanding. But, you know, Shauna, with being a med student, she was here temporarily. Correct. So she really, you know, set the stage for, you know, uh, Roslyn, who then took over the wellness group and, you know, was had a really good experience with it and had some patients come in. And, you know, as uh, the torch was moved on because Roslyn needed more time to focus on her licensure, um, you know, I really felt the, a big responsibility taking over the wellness group just because of how much passion was carried through yeah. both of them. So uh, needless to say, we're all pretty uh, protective over the wellness group and, you know, the benefits that it has. So, so how, how long ago did you, uh, was the torch, torch passed to you? Uh, it was probably about um, 
about six months ago, eight months ago. That was um, a few months before the pandemic decided to disrupt the flow a little bit. Gotcha. Yeah, I bet it did. Mm. So in these wellness groups, there are seven sessions. I'm just going to read them off here. Number one is understanding pain. Number two is reclaiming function. Number three is thoughts and beliefs. Number four is pain and healthy habits. Five, stress and coping. Six, pain and relationships. And seven, individualized self-care planning. So you're right in the middle of this right now. You've gone through five. One was unattended, so that one was skipped. So today, I want you to talk to us about some of what has happened in each of these four that have currently taken place. Can we start with understanding pain? Yeah, certainly. So our guest speaker for that one was uh, Dr. Tillis. Um, he's a clinical psychologist. And the first session is all the medical, you know, like what pain is, the neurological and medical standpoint. Um, I chose Tillis just because he has a wealth of knowledge of pretty much anything and everything regarding um, pain and, you know, really studies up on the medical aspect. And, you know, it was also good to, you know, lead on to the discussion topic, you know, what, what is everybody's pain? You know, how do you manage it? What's your understanding of how it affected you? And there's a lot of good, like, um, you know, people that shared that their own life story and was just pretty empathetic. And, you know, we had a few staff members join us on that one, which was pretty good. You know, it was a good uh, middle ground to kind of set the stage. You know, this is where, what we're here for, you know, understanding what pain is and how we could do to help and meet to a middle, middle standpoint. So it was heavy knowledge on the top end, and then people got to share their own personal experiences and sort of build relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, with each other and with uh, those who were staffing the group, huh? Mm-hmm. Um, is that important? Is that aspect of it important? Yeah, extremely. You know, the in the very beginning, you know, that's why I always invite anybody and everybody to come because not only is it beneficial for those that struggle with chronic pain, but also for staff members or anybody that wants to have a deeper understanding of what pain is and actually hear it from life stories, you know. Because in my experience, you know, learning about it in a textbook is only good for so long, so yeah. far, you know. But actually understanding where people come from and how they deal with it is so much more effective. And it helps um, not only myself, but other you know, people that want to know more. Can I put, put you on the spot for a second? And you can do it to me as long as the camera's not rolling. Um, no, I'm kidding. So <laughs> if you were to tweet a definition of pain, in other words, it doesn't have to be perfect tweet, but if you were to make a concise statement of what pain is to someone, how would you, what would you say? What are some of the, what's the essential, you know, not definition, but what is it that we need to understand about pain? Um, I want to, I think what comes off the top of my head is um, pain is hidden, but it's, uh, it's real. Okay. Because, you know, we can't see it from other individuals. But doesn't mean we can't help to understand where how it affects them. Because, okay. you know, the I always say that the people that deal with chronic pain are great actors because, you know, they might be suffering from excruciating pain. Absolutely. But, you know, their mental or their physical 
aspects as otherwise, you know, they're very, um, well driven and very, um, you know, motivated to continue to live because they want to make sure that they get the stuff done. I, I, I enjoy that definition. It's, it's, it's more existential. It's, it's, um, and perhaps you can identify with what he said to our listeners. If you have anybody or a story of somebody like your grandma, like I've got a couple family members who have been in incredible pain. I'd love it if you'd email us that story and maybe uh, Adam and I can, can read it and, and uh, share it and, on, on yeah. one of our future episodes That's right. as well, be great. with your permission, of course. Um, so thank you for that. But uh, I, I, I like that you bring that up too, because it seems like this group is beneficial more than just for people who struggle with pain, because some people live with people who struggle with pain mm-hmm. and it's hard for them to understand what their partner or what their family member uh, or, or their husband or their wife or their brother or their sister goes through. Mm-hmm. Um, so it seems like um, there's a broader context for, for who could possibly join one of these wellness groups. Is that true? Yeah. I mean, anybody that wants to understand or even a caretaker, you know, and, um, you know, reclaiming function, that group, we had uh, more staff members and even um, an individual that, you know, disclose that not only does do they have pain, but they're also a caretaker of a person that has pain. So mm. really, you know, you get both of that unique aspect from both sides. You know, this is how I handle it, but how do I handle it with others? Okay. And that was a, oh, I really enjoyed that class just because, you know, it was good to have the staff members and patients like empathize, you know, this is what um, pain is and this is how it affects others you know and that was the understanding pain right uh to reclaiming okay so yeah tell us a little more about what what went on in the reclaiming function yeah that uh, one was uh co-hosted with andy hopes um she was uh willing to be the guest speaker just because she had i chose her just because she has her own experience Mm. and you know she really did a great job of being able to relate to patients and you know i had a lot of good reviews after hers and you know really set the stage, you know, for her to share her story, but also for others to kind of, you know, feed off of it, to have that open discussion. And the biggest thing that I got out of that was, you know, in the curriculum, this is one thing that, you know, sometimes I have my own biases towards or my own views is that um, in the curriculum, it says loss of movement. But even Andy and I shared the, you know, the definition, it's modified. It's not okay. a loss of movement, it's modified. Because even though you can't do certain things, you can still get things done, you know? Oh, yeah. And where we talked about pain flares and tolerance levels, you know, Andy indicated when she first started, you know, it, it took a little while to find that tolerance level. But once she found out where it was, then she can regulate, okay, if I do this today, I know I'm going to pay for it a little bit tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of the patients kind of, identified in that um, second group was the pain levels happen the most in the morning and in the evening. Mm. And, you know, hence the term motion is lotion because when you're going to bed and you start to sit down, you know, all the wear and tear from the day kind of starts to settle. When you wake up, your body isn't moving. So, you know, you're kind of already tense. Motion is lotion, huh? Man, I tell you, like, just just me... um, both of my shoulders are so bad. And then coaching football, when you're holding pads for kids and things like that, you come back at night and 
you know, you, you're kind of achy, but you don't realize how, how much pain you're, how much damage you've done until the next day. And you're trying to get out of bed and your body's like frozen. And, you know, um, so pain, you know, tolerance in our, in our home and stuff, we just learned, you just kind of mind over matter. And, um, but it affects your mood, you know, it makes you short, short, your, your patience level is short. And there's times when I really need to say, gosh, why, why is my, why are my patients so short? And then sometimes my wife will be like, you know, you seem like you're in a lot of pain. You're grunting a lot when you mm-hmm. grab something out of the fridge or that's weird. Have you learned anything about that in your management class. What is that? Yeah, that's, uh, you know, that's pretty common, you know, like, uh, any discomfort kind of makes us irritable, you know? Mm. And when you go through those heavy days, you know, it's, it's kind of mm-hmm. human, you know, that when things get stressful or, you know, you have a long day and you feel exhausted, you know, your, your body wants to shut down. So that's where that okay. irritability and things like that. So it's, it's pretty common okay. in pain, pain patients. And, you know, that's, a what we kind of talked about in that group was just like, you know, we could tell we're, we're getting tired or we're kind of getting irritable is because our pain is starting to flare up around that time, you know? Yeah. Reclaiming function was one of the things that I've had to do. So, (laughs) so number three was the one that uh, was rained out, Mm -hmm. but um, let's move on and talk a little bit about number four. And that was a pain and healthy habits. And that was, uh, facilitated by B Money, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Bethany. What, what did she? What was? What is the? What What happened in that group? She did a great job. Um, so she kind of talked about you know the good habits that you can have to kind of you know drive yourself throughout the day, and then also did a great job of uh, doing a, a brief yoga session. Oh, nice! Where we did it in our seats, kind of like what we do in our BVHC, where we can have that 15 minute exercise, but we did it with patients and even myself, you know, and it was actually a lot of fun. I even found myself relaxed and ready to go and almost fell asleep a few times just because, you know, you don't think of it, but yoga is actually pretty effective. And she does what's called restorative yoga, Mm -hmm. right? What's the difference? Do you know? I mean, I know I'm putting you probably putting you on the spot here. What's the difference between restorative yoga and more of a, a mainstream or a mainline yoga? I think for just from what I've seen is like restorative yoga is just kind of like mood, mood booster, you know, okay. that you when you do a brief exercise that you're engaged for the rest of the day. You know, sometimes when we have that conflict or, you know, when we're trying to just go through the motions, if we just do a brief you know, little exercise in our seats, we kind of get ready for the rest of the day versus like yoga where you see those people doing weird stuff or that warrior pose, you know? Sure. Sure. So, uh, so maybe like the equivalent for people who wouldn't do a yoga, maybe is getting up and just doing a 10 minute walk Mm -hmm. uh, around the block or something. And that would be something similar, right? To help uh, get, get the body moving. Motion is lotion Mm -hmm. and, and uh, getting the endorphins going and the blood mm. pumping in the body, is that would that be helpful too? Yeah, definitely. You know, even just a simple 15-minute walk, 10-minute walk can improve your day, you know. And that's one of the things that she kind of talked about was just like if you, you know, do some kind of exercise or something that keeps keeps you busy, you're, you'll begin to notice less about your pain. And it kind of is a good way to distract, you know, what's going on to kind of get you up and going. And uh, Lori was also, you know, Lori Sweeney also took, uh, who's my 
co-host with this, she kind of talked a lot about the substances in here mm. where the medicinal marijuana, you know, mm. it's kind of like the, the discussion of topics. And it was, uh, you know, marijuana is always a big debate because, you know, people discuss about what are the risks and what are the benefits. Yeah. And, you know, there is definitely some good aspects of medicinal marijuana that help with chronic pain. However, you know, there's still studies out there that say after long-term use, it does make your condition worse. And, you know, that kind of goes back to opioids too, that, you know, yes, receiving pain medications is good to help manage your quality of life, but long-term use does make your pain worse just because of the tolerance levels. Yeah, that discussion has to be had. Yeah. And and it's it's important to talk long-term and have that strategy. And I, from what I understand in that group, um, that was an open discussion. Mm-hmm. Like, can you talk a little bit about how that happens in, in, in the group? Adam, even you were talking a little bit about it, um, mm-hmm. where somebody felt they, like two people maybe disagreed a little bit about that. What was that like? Yeah, they definitely bounced off of the idea of, you know, they both had used medicinal marijuana to mm-hmm. help manage pain. But, you know, one identified that, you know, once I was off the medicinal marijuana, like it it really didn't affect it. You know, my pain level without doing medicinal marijuana has always been the same. It was just my tolerance with the marijuana grew Interesting. Higher. Interesting. So it's really good because, you know, sometimes as a addiction counselor, we have to kind of advocate for that. But it was comforting to know that there is patients out there that do understand, you know, some of the qualities, but also some of the, mm. the disbeliefs or the uh, myths that, you know, long-term use of cannabis will help decrease your pain over time. Okay. Okay. Well, I've, I just appreciate that you guys are teaching people how to develop healthy habits. Mm-hmm. I mean, that really goes to, uh, I mean, mission, mm-hmm. right? Uh, improving the well-being of everyone mm-hmm. uh, by providing quality accessible health care for the whole mm-hmm. community. And so... I appreciate that healthy habit portion. And I know that's something that I continue to need to develop mm-hmm. as time goes on. As someone who, I mean, I, I do struggle with chronic pain, but my, my pain is pretty well managed, mm-hmm. thankfully. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've subscribed to the motion is lotion thing, man. That's a, a, I'm, when I'm active, I always feel better. Always. Mm. So that was four. Um, the fifth one is stress and coping. Can you give us a quick overview of that one and what happened in that? Yeah. Um, our co-host or yesterday was uh, Christina Hopp, and she talked a lot about you know, the, how stress impacts pain and uh, really discussed a lot about cognitive behavioral model. So how our thoughts, feelings, and even physical sensation all plays in a part of our mood. So, you know, reason why CBT cognitive behavioral therapy is so effective is that, you know, brings it to that model that any little thing can set us off, you know, Mm. whether it's our thoughts, whether it's our physical feelings and, you know, things like that. So she really advocated for, you know, when we have those negative thoughts, you know, what can we do to replace that? You know, have an accepting thought instead of saying, oh, my pain is bad today. Why me? Versus... Mm. My pain is bad, but uh, with my pain, I'm alive. You know, really putting a positive swing on it to really help them drive it forward. Because, you know, everybody 
deals with stress and when we deal with stress, we all deal with it differently. And whether it makes us irritable, um, sad, you know, things like that, you know, really thinking outside the box, like, okay, it might be a bad day, but is it a bad life? You know? Awesome. That's a great thought. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, one more question before we, before we wrap up here, Cody, why are groups like this important? You know, the, I really enjoy groups in my, as myself because it really helps see the group dynamics, you know, the relationship being built between others that not only have chronic pain with themselves and it kind of gives them a safe area to relate to others. Also going back to caretakers or anybody else that wants to know mm. what chronic pain, you know, like staff members, anybody and everybody with, within or without that organization is welcome to join because it really just, it's, we're trying to get rid of that stigma because when we talk about physical dependence versus uh, those with substance use disorders, you know, a lot of people with chronic pain kind of get classified as they have an addiction because they want that pain med. Sure. But, you know, the, the difference between those two is that with those with substance use disorders, you know, they, they need the, you know, that chemical, that substance to kind of cope with whatever stressful factors going on. Um, but as far as physical dependence, you know, that patient wants some sort of relief and wants the medication so they don't have to go through the withdrawals of opioids or whatever pain me medicine that they're on so that way they can feel better. You know, it's incorporating in that well-being. Wow. Wow. So community is a big piece of this. Mm -hmm. Being able to have understanding and compassion, particularly for people who don't struggle with chronic pain, but maybe are around people who have chronic uh, pain. Mm -hmm. So, um, Cody, if someone wanted to join one of your classes, how would they get a hold of you? Uh, they can definitely call me at my um, direct line at work, which is uh, 867-4107, or even my coworker, Lori, who is over in um, Lewistown. Okay. But, you know, we have the link on all the sites, and, you know, if, if they wanted to just join in and pop in, um, but fair warning, uh, anybody that does join in, I'd like to, to engage so that way, you know, everybody can have a, a voice in it. But, you know, joining in on the Microsoft Teams app, Mm. is a great way to click on the link. You don't even have to sign up for an account. You know, if okay. you get that link from, you know, if you're at Miles City or Chinook or Lewistown. Oh, so this is available in other uh, uh, communities as well. Yeah. Lewistown, Miles City, sorry, Chinook. I interrupted you. Mm. Anywhere else? Uh, Ashland as well. You okay. know, anybody that, in our, that we can reach out to is welcome to join. Like these uh, past couple of weeks, we've been having you know a patient here in Hardin, Lewistown, and Chinook wow. join in. So, you know, really that not only in our local communities but other communities, there's you know that bringing that awareness that it's not just one individual; it's other individuals that are struggling with it. So, if they want to join in on, you know, just through that link, I mean, you know, we're all welcome to join. You know, so call Cody. So I've got the number, AA406-867-4107. Mm -hmm. And uh, what would be the email? Uh, CW, or not CW, Cody Magpie at BighornValley.org. Cody.Magpie? Yep. Cody.Magpie <laughs> at BighornValley.org. 
And we can we can put you on the spot for a whole bunch of stuff, but not right. your email address. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know, they I usually like to send out weekly reminders too. So if you want your name generated, you know, we have a, a private list. I have a private list that I can be able to, you know, put people's emails in there so that way they get them. Or, you know, I invite other staff members if they know anybody that could benefit from it. You know, we got the um, link on our connections page and, you know, I send out a email every week and to the all staff. So Yeah, I appreciate your updates on that. Um, I think this is uh, really valuable stuff, Cody. Abel, do you want to take us out here, buddy? I do. I want to take us out. I want first take a look down below. If you would like to get in touch with Cody, please uh, reach out, maybe even... Uh, share this with someone else. Maybe you want to share your story with us. Um, you can reach us at the one in five podcast at iCloud.com. And I'm sitting here remembering, Adam, you told me to remind you about something. And oh, um, yes, before we go, yeah. um, Cody, can you give us a real positive example of something that's happened in these classes before we jet out of here? Yeah. A real hopeful, helpful story? Yeah, you know, the going back to group two, you know, the having that a patient that, you know, after, you know, he was done, he kind of talked a little bit more to Lori. He was a Lewistown patient. And, you know, he really appreciated that Andy was there Mm. because, you know, everything that she said was so true because Mm. they had that same connection. And he really, you know, emphasized that. No, I didn't always used to be this way, but when this chronic pain happened, it was life changing. And even though I might have chronic pain, it doesn't mean that I can can't do anything that anybody else does. It takes a little bit more time. So having that story out there is that you know, yes, it is hard to deal with chronic pain, but it doesn't mean you still can't do anything that nobody else can. You know, awesome. So take that. Um, as we end this episode of the one in five, thank you, Cody, so much for coming on. Uh, really great stuff. Thanks everyone. We'll see ya. See you guys. Bye-bye.